places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. Now you guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to say thank you to my guest on the March 8th show, wellness coach and fitness expert Willie Tate. You can connect with Willie Tate at his website, www.yourlifenow.com. That's www.yourlifenow.com. Willie shared wonderful advice on how we can get fit and take better care of ourselves without stressing out about it. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the March 8th show, at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is such an important message, guys, and we really need to share it with the youth. But it's not just for the youth. Even we adults need to be reminded sometimes that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, today's guest is such a delight to converse with that she quickly became one of my favorite guests I've ever had on the show. Andrea T. Martin is an out-of-the-box international motivational speaker, Amazon international best-selling author, and Christian life coach. She is the founder and CEO of Discovering My Wings, LLC, where she empowers and equips women to discover life's possibilities and take flight into their purpose. As an international motivational speaker, Andrea captivates audiences with her message to help women emerge from a painful past, rediscover their goals, dreams, and aspirations, capitalize on their current skills, talents, and gifts, and take the necessary steps to transform their lives. Highly respected as an engaging, motivating, and genuine speaker, Andrea speaks directly to the heart of her audience, 
taking them through a process that quickly moves them from information and inspiration to activation and implementation. Through her warm yet dynamic style, Andrea teaches her audiences using compelling yet informative stories. This provides them with valuable takeaways they can use to immediately impact their lives. She combines her unique journey of self-rediscovery, her knowledge of the transformation process, and her spiritual wisdom to help women around the world get unstuck, remove limitations, activate their wings, and soar into their destinies. All right, so I would like to welcome Andrea T. Martin to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Andrea, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Glad to be here. Well, I am uh, really excited because you've got a journey, a story, and I really want you to share that with my listeners. And so I'm going to start out this interview the way I start all of my interviews, because I really think this is important for people to get. Mm -hmm. So are you ready for my questions? <laughs> I'm ready. Awesome. So Andrea T. Martin, who are you? And how did you become who you are today? Wow, that's a great question, Michelle. First, just let me thank you for allowing me to be on with you for this amazing opportunity. I, I really appreciate it. And um, if I had to describe myself, I'd like to refer to myself as I'm a banker by day and a butterfly by night. Uh, the name of my company is Discovering My Wings, LLC. And I believe that when you go through life, that you are really going through a metamorphosis and that as you go through that process, you begin to discover who you are. You begin to understand what your purpose is. And so I went through my metamorphosis. Uh, you know, I had a very painful past that I'll talk about a little bit later where I made the mistakes, where I brought things on myself. And rather than letting that keep me down, I was able to emerge from under that painful past and once I got out from under it, I made a decision that I was always going to reach back and help my brother and help my sister who are stuck in their process, be able to come out and be the beautiful butterfly just like I am today. And I add the banker in because I've been with a leading financial institution. This will be my 26th year. Uh, so I, you know, work for the bank during the day. And then um, I also have my speaking and coaching business that I do as well. Um, and so, you know, both of those combined together, I believe that your life experiences helps to direct you uh, through your life's path. So that's a bit about um, who I am and what I do. Wow. Okay. So you said some things that stand out to me. So I, I'm going to hit on those two, those uh, two, three key points that I saw here. Mm -hmm. One, you said you didn't let your painful past keep you down. Mm -hmm. Do you want to elaborate on your painful past? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, with my painful past, I'll, I'll just briefly um, tell you that I grew up in a very, very, and let me just add a couple more, very, very uh, <laughs> strict religious household. My mother was an evangelist. My father was a deacon and I could not go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. It was basically church to school and to work. I had a little part-time job 
And I grew up watching all of my friends. They seem to be living what I call the quote unquote party life, whereas I was stuck between my three places that I was allowed to go. And so in my mind, I equated the party life and, you know, all of my friends having girlfriends and boyfriends and, you know, me just being the tall, skinny girl that didn't have many friends, couldn't go anywhere. And so that continued on until I hit college and my parents loosened their grip on me a bit. Mm -hmm. And listen, Michelle, I went crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I I mean, I started partying. I was supposed to be going to class. I was skipping classes. I was partying, hanging out, uh, you know, all during the day when I should have been in class and getting failing grades. And I began to seek my approval in people. And I began to, rather than learn to love myself, I began to seek love in uh, others. And so I had really, you know, I lacked confidence. I had low self-esteem. And so I began to seek love and I began to seek approval. I had the disease to please. That's what I like mm -hmm. to call it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I sought love in so many faces. I don't know if you remember that song, looking for love and yeah. all the wrong, <laughs> you know, looking for love in all the yes. wrong places. And that song goes on to say, looking for love in so many faces. Mm -hmm. And that was me seeking for love and if I could be totally transparent in man after man after man mm -hmm. listen some men were married some were not mm -hmm. and I went through great cost to seek approval to seek love again in my mind I thought if I could get someone to love me if I could get someone to approve me then I got it going on then life is wonderful and I just went it became a downward spiral in that, you know, each time I would fail, each time I would be hurt, each time I would go through great uh, efforts to, to seek approval and love. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of things that I was not proud of, you know, as, such as being a mistress, such as, you know, pretending to be this, this wonderful college student with straight A's, as I was telling my mom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just doing all of these things um, that were, it just became a vicious pattern, a vicious cycle in my life until one day I met this guy, Michelle, and he said he loved me. And I said, oh my God, this is it. This is the man that is meant for me so that I can finally have the life that I desire. And the truth of the matter was I wasn't ready for a relationship. I was too broken. I didn't know who I was because I was pretending to be everything to everybody else. Um, and so when this man, this last man that I was dating, uh, he rejected me. And Michelle, I can't even tell you how bad my heart hurt. So I, I became this balled up uh, piece of pain, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I got stuck there and I just felt like I would never be good enough to go on and, and pursue my dreams or, or to understand what my purpose was, I, I, I kept being stuck there over and over again. And I remember hurting so bad and being in such a dark place because my dark past hovered over top of me. Everybody wanted to remind me of all of my mistakes. At this, mistakes, at this point, I had been through evictions, car repossessions, 
I was in a lot of debt. I just had a lot of what I like to call issues. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was just a hot mess, as I like to say it. And so it was all of that uh, combined together that caused me to be stuck. And as I stated earlier, I promised myself, once I got out from all of that and I was able to learn from it, that I would reach back and help somebody else. Wow. So that leads right to the next thing that Mm -hmm. struck me about what you said and that was about reaching back and helping other brothers and sisters who were stuck in their processes yes. so what does that mean exactly for someone to be stuck in their process yeah so you know the process and what i like to call the metamorphosis process it is the process is really designed uh it's it's it can be painful and although it doesn't feel good it's for your good and when i talk about the process meaning that when you look back on your painful past the mistakes that you have made the failures the guilt if you know the process means can i acknowledge what happened or am I continuing it to sweep it under the rug and act as if it didn't happen? That causes me to be stuck in my painful past or stuck in the process because I'm never moving forward. So have I acknowledged what happened and have I forgiven anyone that has caused me pain or have I forgiven myself for all of the mistakes and the failures and everything that I did in the past that I'm not so proud of, have I gone through the process of forgiveness? And then even, you know, because I'm a firm believer that what you don't con confront will continue. Mm. And again, this is why we get stuck in the process and the process gets prolonged out. And so, you know, in addition to acknowledging and going through a process of forgiveness, you also must learn the lessons from what you went through, because I'm a firm believer that your past pain can become your future wisdom. And so, again, because we don't go through the process, we get stuck mm -hmm. and we, we don't deal with things. And, you know, for me personally, I was a public success, but a private failure because I knew how to put the smile on the outside. But again, I was broken and all torn up on the inside, stuck in the process. Does that answer your question, Michelle? Yeah, it does. And yeah. I'm kind of curious, though. I mean, everybody's got what you might call issues. Everybody's working through something. Mm -hmm. So what makes, what made you, uh, uh, I don't really understand what made you a public success versus, but being a private failure, as opposed to just being somebody who was still working some things out? What's the distinction you would make there? I think the distinction uh, for me would be, for one, I was having a pity party. Mm. So I, I, I just wanted everybody to feel sorry for me. I was feeling sorry for myself. I was getting on my own nerves with pity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, I had to eventually come to the realization that my pity didn't serve a purpose. And I, I wanted to stay there and I wanted everybody to baby me. And I had a sense of entitlement where everybody look at me, feel sorry for me, look at what I've been through, rather than turning that thing around and making it work for my good. 
And, and so that, that's what I mean. Everybody has a past. Everybody has a history for sure. But I'm a firm believer that your history is not your destiny. And, but you got to, you know, not be stuck there. So give us some examples, if you don't mind, of ways that people being stuck in their process could mm -hmm. show itself. Just a couple of examples so that people can get a sense of what that might look like. Yeah, so um, again, it's, um, you know, it can be, sometimes it's a, 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 a mental issue or if you're around someone and everything is negative, every word out of their mouth is negative. Mm -hmm. uh, they never have anything good to say. Or you can be talking about the sun and they're gonna shift the conversation to the moon and they're gonna shift the conversation to themselves and their problems and their issues constantly. And when you try to help them, they don't want the help. I'm good, I'm good, I don't, I don't need your help, I don't need your advice. I'm good where I am. They become content. And, and you know that was something else for me. I had to stop being emotionally tied to my comfort zone. I was comfortable being stuck where I was. I had no desire to want to move forward and live life fully as it was intended to be. So would you say then that, because there's there there are some people that's their style of conversation, right? They're different personality types. Mm -hmm. So would you say then that if someone is open to hearing what might be good advice, mm -hmm. but but they do still tend to, you know, kind of harp on their issue a little bit. Maybe they're in a, a phase of working through it or I um, where, where would you say that this is someone you should be trying to help or someone that you shouldn't, if, if, if let's say someone in the audience has someone like that in their lives? Right. So as a uh, life coach, um, you know, that's one of the things that I look for in that, you know, is this someone that I'm really going to be able to coach and help them to move forward? So one, they have to be able to recognize and see where they currently are and how they're being impacted by the issues that have taken place in their life. And they have to desire to want to do better, to want to move forward, or else as a coach, I'm not able to help them because honestly, you have to be willing to want to make the first step. And then from there, I can help you along. So there, there has mm -hmm. to be a desire to want better, to do better, to, to move away from that place. Mm -hmm. And what kind of folks do you find that you work with the most? Honestly, I work with a lot of women. Um, I haven't had any men. I work with a lot of women. And the distinction, you know, because again, we all have past, but in terms of the women that I work with, they have a painful past that has been caused by things that they have done to themselves or that they have done to their others. I can't, um, to others, I should say. I can't really say that I've dealt with women that have had bad things happen to them. Uh, so, so that's, uh, you know, in terms of a, um, a trend, that's what I'm seeing, in, um, you know, as far as my clients um, are. So do you think it's mostly that women are, and, and this is me completely just asking the question, are women more open 
to coaching than men or just that that hasn't been uh, folks that you've really worked with? You haven't worked with men just by happenstance. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think it's a little of both. Um, mm -hmm. You know, during my um, studies and my uh, certification processes, um, I've noted that women are, are more apt uh, to open up than men are. Mm -hmm. But honestly, once I literally go in and share the details of my story, I find that my story attracts more women um, than it does men. But I'm a firm believer in the splatter effect in that while my story may resonate with women, uh, there can be situations where a man will say, wow, your story really resonated with me. Your story really touched me. But that usually for me, it's been my experience, that's usually as far as it goes because then most of the time they tend to shut down or shy away or they see it as a weakness. Mm. That, that's just been uh, my experience. And even in the corporate world, when you, you, you ask a woman, how are you, you know, and you've been working with that woman for quite some time, she's more apt to say, gosh, I had a hard time with my husband, my children are acting up, versus when you talk to the gentlemen, um, the gentlemen are more like, oh, everything is wonderful. I closed a large deal. Um, again, that's my experience. Mm -hmm. Now, I have watched my peers who are men be able to reach those uh, reach men over long longer periods of time? Gotcha. Well, yeah, and maybe that makes sense too. And that women might feel more comfortable talking with a woman about some of these particular issues, and mm -hmm. where um, a man may say, "Yes, I, I feel you, I understand it," but maybe would want to open up with another man. Yes, about absolutely. his specifics. I get that. Mm -hmm. Well, from a coaching perspective. How do you identify, so you mentioned that someone has to be ready to take that step. If you were to, if I were to ask you, what are three things that you might look for specifically about someone who's ready to work with a life coach or work with someone to start moving through their process, to start getting out of being stuck? What are the three things you would look for? Yeah, that's a great question. So whenever um, someone approaches me um, about coaching, I have what's called a discovery session because I'm quite clear again that, you know, you have to be ready to want help. And so, you know, a couple of things that I'm looking for is first and foremost, you know, are they willing to acknowledge uh, what's happened? Are they willing to acknowledge where they are? Are they committed, uh, you know, to being able to do the work to finish the process? Um, that that's you know really huge. And then lastly, um, in terms so uh, acknowledging where they are, uh, being committed to go through the process because again, it's not an easy process. And then the last thing I would uh, have to say is, um, are they willing willing to be open to receive, um, you know, what I would be sharing throughout those coaching sessions? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I designed my discovery session a certain way so that I kind of cover all of those angles, and it gives me a general idea in terms of whether it would be a good fit for us to work together. There have been instances where I've had to say, you know what, we're going to give it some time. I want you to come back. I'll check in with you um, in a few months and I may recommend some readings or you know uh, or some in some cases because coaching is very different from counseling mm -hmm. I've been 
had instances where I've had to refer people back to counselors and to get mental health help. Um, and so for that reason, um, th that's why I have that discovery session to understand where they are. Gotcha. And there can be, I would presume, an actual um, mental health component to some of these challenges. There's a difference mm -hmm. between someone just making bad decisions and someone making bad decisions because they're incapable of making good decisions. Absolutely. That's correct. And that's another reason why I do that uh, discovery session. And oh, by the way, I also send them a survey prior to the call um, as well. Because again, I've had instances where I've had to refer uh, people to mental health professionals because I could just tell that's where they needed to be. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Michelle, I've had a couple of people where we literally had to call the suicide prevention hotline on the spot. Wow. Yeah. So are you finding that people are in an extraordinary amount of pain right now? I am. Um, and it's interesting. Um, people are dealing uh, with more than what appears on the surface. Um, and, you know, with social media, social media has allowed a lot of people to pretend as if everything is wonderful, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're, we're designed, you know, if I think about myself, when I talked about being a public success, but a private failure, I, I'm, I'm that chick that's a corporate executive. I wear the business suit and the heels and um, I drive the nice car, the nice home, but inside I was broken because I hadn't really taken time to deal with my issues. But if you were to look at me on the outside, you'd, you know, people would say, oh my gosh, you have, you have it going on, the nice job. And, well, no, you know, my life was um, a mess and I had to take the time to do the work and go through my metamorphosis process so that I could emerge and be the beautiful butterfly that I was created to be. So what do you think um, is triggering a lot, uh, or, or I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but do you have any thoughts on what's triggering a lot of the emotional pain that see people seem to be going through? I don't know if it's that we have more of it or if it's more visible because of the way we're connected with the internet and, and all of the technology. But to me, it mm -hmm. seems like there's a lot of disconnectedness, a lot mm -hmm. of, of, of anger and aloneness that seems to be mm -hmm. happening despite all of this technology and being connected that way. What are your thoughts about what's um, impacting people's emotional state and, and their ability to function in, at higher levels in their lives. Yeah, well, and I, and I think you just hit on it, their ability to function. You know, a, a lot of people, their capacity to take on anything else, they're, they're, they're full already. They're at their breaking point already. And then you pile on 10 more things on top of that. Mm. And, you know, we're designed, some of us, um, you know, we function in silos and we believe that we must suffer in silence. Um, because if you, you know, if you, there, the, the idea or the thought is, if you knew what I was really dealing with, you would think less of me and, or you would think badly about me if you really knew the issues that I was dealing with. So I'm going to get on here and I'm going to post all of these happy emojis. 
<laughs> going to walk around with this smile because I can't let you in and see the darkness that I'm really dealing with in my life. And, and that is very exhausting. It, mm -hmm. It's very exhausting. And it's almost to a point of you're, you're pretending to be who you're really not. You know, and, and again, that's, that's so exhausting. And that's exactly where I found myself, you know, looking good on the outside. And, and by the time I would get home from the office and it was time for me to deal with my children, see, my children knew the real deal. Right. <laughs> and, and so I was this wonderful person at work at the bank. But when I got home, you know, and if my kids and I, we were out and they would see one of my colleagues, they would say, oh, we just love your mom. She's so kind and wonderful. And my kids are like, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, it's, it's exhausting. We're dealing with so much more nowadays. And, and it, it, it became a little easier to cover it up and to hide it. But at some point you reach that breaking point where you just got to either emerge from it or be buried by it. Well, let me ask you, if you were to give people three signs that they were approaching their breaking point mm -hmm. and that they need to find someone like you, they need to contact you or someone like you or a counselor of some sort, what would be those three key things that you think that people should be looking for? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So one would be um, if you're always irritable, you know, it, it takes the least little thing and it sets you off and, um, you know, you're, you're very moody. Um, so that, that is a sign that you need to find out what's going on there, what's causing that. And then two, um, if you're, you know, some of us um, are in a depressed state and we don't know it, we're always sleeping or we're not eating or we're overeating, as was in my case. You know, many people say, oh, she's not eating, there's something wrong. Well, no, I was eating everything underneath of the sun. Uh, <laughs> you and I have the same response then, obviously, <laughs> to things. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, you want to start to look at, you know, those are what I call triggers. You know, what's triggering you um, to cause you to, you know, overeat or undereat or to not to sleep. Um, so then there's that. And you really just want to look at your overall outlook on life. Um, you know, is, is it a positive outlook or, or is it, are you always thinking negatively? What, what's at the root of all of those things? Um, so those are just a few of the things. And honestly, Michelle, some people just flat out come to me and they say, I know that there is more to life. I know that I am here for a reason. I just don't know what it is. Can you help me? Mm. Right, right, right. And sometimes that's what it is, is that you just have this nagging feeling like I should be doing more than what I'm doing, or I should be feeling more than what I'm feeling. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Yes. Well, you can do what I do. I got up and moved across the country. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But no, I mean, sometimes, sometimes, I don't know. I know every time, every time I've wanted to shift things in my life, I get up and leave. So. <laughs> Right, right. Well, well, listen, you know, sometimes a fresh start is, is what's needed. And sometimes uh, I'm a firm believer that sometimes what you do in the physical 
helps you emotionally. Yeah. So sometimes a move is good, a fresh start, because you just can't seem to get it together where you are. I'm all for it. Yeah. Or in my case, you get in a rut, mm -hmm. you get in a rut. And so, you know, ah, sometimes it's, it's good to just pick up and go. Yeah. You never absolutely. know. Things shift. Talk to me a little bit about that real quick, because I believe that as well, that that it's kind of the concept of as above, so below. Right. You know, mm -hmm. the spiritual and the physical realm. Mm -hmm. um, I believe there's a serious connection there. And that's why for me, this is in this, I've been doing this since I was 19 years old. Whenever mm -hmm. there's a major shift, there's usually a physical move that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. What, how do those things connect for you as a, as a coach? Yeah. Um, and why well, you're, you're asking all of these wonderful, wonderful questions. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm a firm believer that what you're dealing with in the natural, um, that you really need to step back and look at what you're dealing with the natural, because I believe that it sometimes give you, gives you clues Mm -hmm. um, in terms of uh, things like your purpose, things like specific areas in your life that you need to deal with or focus on. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, from my personal perspective, things that I need to pray about and uh, take action on. Um, you know, for example, um, you know, I, I learned the hard way that I can't have clutter around me in the physical because it impacts my mental and my creative abilities. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and, and that was something that I had to learn. I'll, I'll tell you something else too. I was that one that quoted the affirmations every day. I was the one praying for prosperity and we understand prosperity is not just money. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget it. I had the thought that, why are you praying for prosperity when you have a poverty mindset? Yeah. So mindset is huge. Mm -hmm. And 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 again, what you're seeing in the natural will give you clues of about your mindset. It will give you clues about your purpose. It will give you clues about areas in your life that you need to focus and improve upon. You know, I was literally just having this conversation with someone right before you and I started talking. Oh wow. And the conversation was along the lines of, and I think this is related to a poverty mindset in a way, it's a lack mindset, mm -hmm. holding on to something that has no longer got usefulness for you. Yes. Because absolutely. when you hold on to it, you're not letting your hands open to receive something new. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think all of that is absolutely fabulous. You have provided us with an enormous amount of useful information. And I really appreciate you sharing all of that with our listeners. Andrea, how can people connect with you? How can they uh, find you on social media? Where can they, where can they reach you? Absolutely. Again, let me just take a moment, Michelle, to again, thank you for this amazing opportunity to share with all of your listeners. And I would love to connect with them. Um, I'm across all social media platforms as Andrea T. Martin, or you can just simply type in the hashtag discovering my wings and that will bring me up on um, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You can find me that way. You can also visit my website at www.andreatmartin.com. 
www.thelifeofthecoach.com and uh, connect with me there as well. Um, and then lastly, um, be sure to connect with me on social media because I host an annual uh, women's empowerment experience every year in September where I bring literally hundreds of women together to empower them and help, their, help them discover their wings. In other words, to go through the process. And this year I've got some dynamic speakers lined up uh, for the experience. And so you'll wanna connect with me so you can receive some great information on that experience, but also just because I provide daily motivation and inspiration and opportunities for you to have a closer experience with me. That's awesome. So everybody, you can reach Andrea T. Martin at andreatmartin.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-T-M-A-R-T-I-N.com. Also, you can get her on social media, all of the likely suspects, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those. Mm -hmm. And just type in the hashtag discovering my wings and that will bring her up. Yes. And make sure that you guys connect with her so that we can all see each other. Because now yeah. that I know that you have this in September, I'm putting it on my calendar. Yeah. I, <laughs> and um, make sure that you reach out to her because you, as you can see, she's got lots of useful information, all of that inspiration, all of those ideas. And we need to come together, women in particular, I think, yes. because yes. we have the capacity to heal our little corners of the world and through healing our little corners of the world, heal our society. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank, thank you. you, Andrea, for the work that you're doing. And thank you for being on Somewhere in the Middle with um, Michelle Berard. Thank you. Coming up next, we're going to have a chat with Julia Black in our segment called True Talk. So I'd like to welcome Julia Black. Thank you, Julia, for being on True Talk. Thank you for having me. Well, you and I, you know, we have all these conversations offline and on the show, but we were talking about dealing with things that are upsetting to us or that we feel are traumatic to us in some way. And so what are some of the ways that you think that we can deal with things that happen to us that are that we find upsetting or that we have some kind of feelings about i think the biggest thing honestly is to actually stop and and deal with them i think right now it's so busy because we're being pulled in twenty thousand different directions i think it's really easy to get distracted by work or social media or TV or whatever and not actually deal with things that happen is you have an emotion and then you get really upset and then you focus on the emotion without actually trying to work through any of it or pause to think about why the emotion is happening. Um, you know, I think um, acknowledging emotions and working through them is kind of imp an important part of the process of just kind of dealing with things that happen. Well, and you know, I know you're going to say, Michelle, you're so old school, but <laughs> <laughs> I also think sometimes we get really upset because I, I, I know this about myself and I see it with other people. Sometimes we get really agitated and upset about things that are not that serious. Mm -hmm. And Part of it is, I think sometimes 
we haven't dealt with something else and therefore whatever this other thing is is triggering us emotionally and we you know we lose our cookies so i think i mentioned to you before you know when we were talking before for me if i feel completely powerless or i feel like someone is not hearing me like they're they're just almost purposefully not hearing me i lose my cookies i will lose my mind you know what i mean <laughs> the level of upset is usually disproportionate to right. the situation because uh -huh. what it's really triggering is this this feeling of not being heard this feeling of being powerless and not not being being able to get my point across or someone not hearing me or purposely shutting me down and i think that that happens more often than not and then everything gets labeled as being so traumatic and so difficult when really it's not necessarily that it is you know yeah. it's really sometimes well there's something else that happened that you didn't deal with and that's what you're really yeah no and i and i completely agree with that i mean i generally i generally look at any any emotion or any emotion that i have after i like feel it and kind of work through it until i calm down um i always stop and say okay what um what is what is the core of this is this really because this person said this thing or is this really because of something in my life that i haven't dealt with um and it's so easy to move from one thing to another and not actually sit and deal with what comes up um you know we just have the emotion and we focus on oh well i you know i feel terrible about this and it's this person's fault and it's like okay why you know yeah they said something that hurt your feelings okay maybe they weren't being as diplomatic as they should have or maybe they were being completely oblivious or okay but but why did it hurt your feelings what is it about you? What is it about something that you need to deal with that triggered that, that triggered the emotion? And, and this isn't to discount um, legitimate, well, I don't know. I, I think we can all argue what's legitimate and what's not mm -hmm. because like right now there's this huge debate about free speech and people being able to say things that are inflammatory language and fighting words and all these different things. Um, I don't think it's ever right to go around just calling people names and things right. like that. Yeah, um, no, and I, yeah, and I agree with know, that. So I just like to put that out there just in case people yeah. start, you know, I don't want to hear any foolishness from people. I don't, don't, don't contact me with stupid stuff is what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, yeah, I don't no, do and I, I mean, well. don't get me wrong, I, you know, I'm, I, I, I believe we should be kind to everybody, so I don't go around calling people names, like, I just, I just don't. Okay, I disagree with you. I don't think we should be kind to everybody. I think we should be kind to people who are kind to us. And I think that and I think that when people are not kind to us, we should try and take a step back and wonder if they're having a really crappy day and they're dealing with something. But I don't think we should be kind to everybody because if somebody's really um, a mean, terrible person, I don't think you have to be kind to them. I don't think you have to deal with them. 
that's my other side of that. But uh, that's just my opinion. So anyway, my two cents. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a much longer discussion. Exactly. A much longer discussion. But I, I'm a big proponent of removing yourself from the situation. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I've been that person who was being mean. And, you know, I encourage people, remove yourself from the situation if I'm being mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, just, you know, like, we're going to feel some kind of way. Okay. So you have a breakup. You're going to feel some kind of way about the breakup. You may feel some kind of way about the breakup for a long time, particularly depending on how deep the relationship was, how long you were together, you know, and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. But is it then something that should be coming back and biting you in the butt emotionally every three years? Yeah. Um, yeah. There has to be, yeah, there has to be a point. There has to be a point where you stop and you actually deal with things enough that you can let it go. Um, to quote Elsa from frozen, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you know, because it's, it's vitally important for your own health, for your own mental health to forgive and actually let things go. Cause otherwise it just sits there and it stirs up and it becomes this giant ball of negative energy that just kind of sits in your body. And that's just not a good place, a good thing to have. Um, it really needs to be something that you can work your way through and deal with all of the issues and kind of peel away all of the issues of the onion um, so that you can actually move on and so that it will not affect you. And so that it won't, um, continue to revisit you and, and plague you with stuff, with these kind of negative feelings or whatever. Well, and I'm going to actually, you know, I listen to Abraham Hicks. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that. And one of the things that, that Abraham's always talking about is this, there shouldn't be anything to forgive. There's no need to forgive anything because you shouldn't be condemning anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, I, cause that's the issue that I have with, Oh, forgive, forgive, forgive. I'm like, well, if you have to forgive somebody, then you're saying that they did something wrong to you, which means that you're but why do you have to forgive them even if they don't ask for it? You know what I mean? To me, that whole term forgive is, mm. is problematic. Yeah. Because if I have to forgive somebody who didn't ask for my forgiveness, didn't ask for my forgiveness and, and doesn't feel like they did anything wrong anyway, because otherwise they would ask for my forgiveness, right? They'd apologize. Yeah, the term, yeah, the term is problematic and I see what you're saying. I, but then, then we can go back to let it go. Is deal well, with but, but, but I w- what I was going to say was, though, is that I think that I like the Abraham Hicks approach a little bit more in saying maybe it's what we should be doing is shutting down our judgment of what happened, which is basically mm. the way I interpret it. And, and, I, and if anybody's a big Abraham Hicks student, feel free to correct me if I'm misinterpreting this. But the way that I interpret it as, is the reason that we feel this way is because we have put a judgment on the experience, whatever it was, as opposed to just kind of accepting that it is an experience that we had. And that that experience that we had, however we may feel about it, helped us to get where we are now. And where we are now is the important part, not the where we were when that happened. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Very, very esoteric. And it is. It's, that's, that's, it's very existential and esoteric. <laughs> yeah. 
very, very hippy dippy. Totally not like my Southern self, huh? <laughs> my Southern sensibilities are a little assaulted right now. But, um, but no, I kind of like that concept though, that to some extent, it, it's, it, I think it's beyond letting go. It's actually more of a kind of an acceptance that, well, this experience occurred and, but it occurred in the past, therefore it's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah, but getting to that point and saying it happened in the past and therefore it's done and not letting it affect your present is the issue because you can't just because because I can I mean I I I'm I am one of those people that I actually I logic my way through emotions Mm -hmm. And I, that's how I process them. I have an emotion that I don't understand. I stop and I think about why I'm having that emotion. And then I go, well, that doesn't make any sense. I shouldn't be having it. Um, you know, here or here, and here are the reasons why I've dealt with it. Or I, you know, this person doesn't affect me or it's a stranger and they don't like me. So who cares? Right. So I'll kind of, I'll just use logic to get my way through it, but I still have to go through a process. I can't just say, okay, well that happened in the past and therefore it doesn't affect me. You know, there's still, there's still for me at least has to be a process to deal with it. I don't know. I guess I, cause I tend to logic things out too, but at some point I, there's, there's this other book I read. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head where basically um, the lady was talking about kind of owning your feelings like recognize that you feel a thing and kind of sit in that feeling for a while mm -hmm. and in acknowledging the feeling and sitting in the feeling for a while that's how that feeling can be released mm. and that seems uh that seems like a good approach as well um i'm not sure that that, that any of this what we're saying is actually different though um, no, I don't even know. I, I would say that that's a, that's a, that's also, that, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. I think sometimes, um, I, I'm also, I'm also, I'm also a ritual person and a symbol person. So just sitting with the feeling, if it's a, if it's a minor feeling or it's not super big, then, um, then I can sit with it and just kind of let it pass and that would be fine. But if it's a, but if it's a, if it's a very large issue, um, I can't just sit with the feelings cause then it'll end up, I'll end up wallowing in it. Um, so there, and that's important. Yeah, that's important. You don't want to sit in, I mean, but I don't know, you have a right to wallow. You can wallow for a minute. <laughs> oh, no, you can wallow for a minute, but you know, like, so I'll, I'll give an example, you know, my, uh, my husband and I have dealt with infertility issues. Um, and we made a decision uh, a couple years ago that we were going to stop trying and that we weren't going to do fertility treatments and we weren't going to do adoptions. And we have our own reasons for that. Um, but it was still deeply, deeply upsetting for me. Um, and I knew all the reasons why it was deeply upsetting. And I dealt with all of those issues, but I was still, there was still a really big feeling involved. Um, I was depressed for months, um, and it was very easy for me to just sit and wallow, but after a few months, it was like, okay, this is, we can't, you know, I, I, 
I can't go on like this. I can't handle the, I can't handle the weeping. I can't, I, I can't live like this for the next 50 years. Um, how is this going? How, how is this going to change? What do I need to do to make sure that this changes? Um, but I eventually kind of got to that point. Um, because I, because if I, if I didn't stop and try and work through it and figure out how to get out of that situation, I would have wallowed for a long time. And when you're, when you, when you have a history of depression or when you, when you know the symptoms of kind of a depressive type episode, you know that it can, you, you can spiral and then just sit there. And I wasn't willing to do that. So, um, so I made a list. Um, I reevaluated everything, literally everything. Um, I questioned, um, you know, we moved. I, we, I, I didn't want to stay in the house we were in. I didn't want to stay in the job I was in. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, I wanted to stay with my husband and I wanted to keep the dog, but pretty much everything else. Uh, and we're still near my family and we still spend time with my family and we didn't like completely cut ourselves off with the, from the world. But anything that I could change, I did. Um, and, um, and that's helped because it made me, it, it made me feel like I had control over the situation, first of all. Um, but it also kind of gave me, it, it, it's done a lot of stuff too. It's given me the ability to start my own business um, because our finances are uh, not wrapped up in um, trying to save for kids. Um, you know, it's meant that we could travel more. It's meant that we, we can do a lot more stuff. So, it, you know, in the end, yeah, there are times when, still, when it still hits me and I'm still sad. But there's a lot that I did to make me feel like things were better. Um, you know, because I didn't wallow. Because I refused to let myself wallow for very much longer. Well, and that's key. I mean, I, I think that you have a right to wallow to some extent. And I, wallow is probably a strong word, but I think you have to let yourself feel mm -hmm. the feelings. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, you're never going to... Get past them. Yeah, you're never going to get past them because you're constantly going to be like yo-yoing back and forth mm -hmm. emotionally. And, and your, your brain needs time to process things. So I, I would not deny anybody the time that they need to process. And for some of us, for some of us it's longer than others. And for some situations it's longer than others. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately we, we definitely should not wallow. Acknowledge your feelings, but do not wallow for long periods of time. If you find yourself wallowing mm -hmm. uh, for your standards, then look at why that is what's going on um we should definitely try and figure out why we feel the way that we do right mm -hmm. yeah and then deal with that in some way and if that requires getting outside help then that's where a life coach or a psychiatrist or psychologist or therapist of some sort may come in handy mm -hmm. and then like you said problem solve make lists figure it out you know figure out what mm -hmm. can you do to change things and it might mean changing aspects of your life Mm -hmm. like you did, it might mean changing the way you think about things, reframing. Yeah. I, know I, I end up doing a lot of reframing and, um, you know, and going from there. 
Anything yeah. else you want to add for, for folks? No, I think reframing, reframing is an important part of it because I think that there's a lot of self-talk that we do that is, um, that, that we don't even realize is negative. And if you stop for a minute and go, okay, how would somebody, how would an outside person look at this? Somebody who's not me, how would they look at it? Um, that's an important aspect of it as well, I think. So, okay, guys, so our three takeaways, we've got three main takeaways for you. You want to make sure that you acknowledge your feelings, but don't wallow. And if you find yourself wallowing, maybe spend a little time thinking about why that is and how you can shift that. Um, think about why you feel the way that you do and figure out how you can deal with it. And if you find that you can't do with it on your own, get some outside help. You know, you can talk with a life coach. You can talk with a therapist, a psychiatrist, psychologist, and get that outside help to help you to deal with your feelings. And of course you can problem solve, make lists, analyze, uh, think about what can you change. It might be changing your circumstance, it might be reframing, but there's always something that we can do to shift our situation or how we feel about it. So with that, thank you, Julia, for being on True Talk. Thanks for having me. Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-B-A-R-A-R-D.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send over some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you guys tune in for the show on April 12, 2019, when my guest will be creative entrepreneur Tracy Ariel. You can find us every other Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain free. Peace and blessings, y'all.